Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. All that God is doing here. You know, there's a lot of churches you could be in this morning, uh, but you're here with us at the Potter's House. What a great blessing that is and a privilege for us. Amen. Let's uh, turn in our Bibles this morning to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. If you will join me there, Joshua, chapter 14. And as we come together this morning, um, we have... uh, we, a few of us from this congregation have been attending the services over in our sister church in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, the Potter's House on Military Highway, as they were having their, what's known as their Harvester's Homecoming services. It's kind of like a Bible conference. It's a time for them to uh, gather in the workers that they have sent out into various cities, uh, churches and pioneers and disciples from, uh, from places around, and uh, uh, was a really powerful time both Friday night, as I heard uh, some of you were able to go, and also yesterday, uh, morning seminars and an evening service. Some of you that were able to go were extremely blessed by that. Last night, uh, there was a sermon that was preached, which uh, just uh, scattered all my well-laid plans for this morning's service. And uh, as the Lord is... Uh, uh, often does, uh, I, th- I thought I was going to pre- pre- be preaching something else, and I was really, really inspired by the message last night. And so I am going to unabashedly re-preach a little bit of what Pastor Rocky Colonna preached. Uh, I'm not going to uh, give a word-by-word <laughs> repetition, but I'm going to relay to you what I received in the service last night. Because I have some additional things that I want to say to you. So for those of you who were there last night, you're going to hear a few of the same points. But I want to, uh, I was genuinely inspired by his message. And as we come together this morning, I want to share with you in the scripture that we're going to read the famous life of a man who had the fire of the Holy Spirit, who had excitement and zeal for the will of God who even over time, even through great trials and difficulties, that he maintained an excitement for the things of God. And I want to challenge every one of us here because the natural process of life and how we do things is often that we, in the early time, when we are newly exposed to the kingdom of God, that is often the most excited that we are, right? New convert days or a honeymoon time of our faith. And often what can happen if we're not careful is that the excitement of the early days of our conversion can begin to wane over time. That the same that happened to the children of Israel, that they came out from Egypt 
and uh, they came to the other side of the Red Sea, and the Bible says they all began to sing with a new song. They began to praise, led by Miriam, the, the sister of Moses, and they, they, were, they were excited, man. They, were, they had just seen their, the, their enemy in Pharaoh destroyed, and everybody was singing and dancing and celebrating. And 48 hours later, things started to change because they got tough. And they complained against Moses, and they complained against God, and they ended up becoming disobedient to the Lord, and we know the long, tragic story, but they, they lost that excitement that they had in the beginning. And I, it's very easy for us to do the same, that as months and years pass, and as we face challenges and criticisms and offenses, and oftentimes we face physical illness, and we go through a few things, and you know, it, it can be that God's people get a little bit weary. And we get tired, and we get cranky, and we get crusty. And before we know it, we're just uh, the church curmudgeon. And we're just holding down a row of chairs, and we've lost the excitement and the zeal that God once put into us. Well, I want to restore some excitement this morning, if you'd let me. And I want to read from the life of a man that is one of my favorite people in the Old Testament, and his name is Caleb. And the Bible says about Caleb, this is the description of him in his old age. He has been through a lot. And so the Bible says this about him, if you'll give me a, a moment to read this description. Joshua 14, beginning with verse 6. The children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you, between you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. He's remembering 45 years before when he was a spy and began to spy out the land. He said, I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance, and your children's forever, because you have holy. Say the word holy. Now just, just make sure that you don't miss that. That's not the word holy, H-O-L-Y. Like, God is holy. That's the word holy as in W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means completely. Because you have wholly followed the Lord, my God. Verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as He said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am in this day, 85 years old. Is there anybody here that's older than 85 years old? Anybody? One? Praise God. Thank you, sister. Thank you for being here. Holding down. 85 years old. As yet I am strong this day, as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, you got to love this. Give me this mountain, which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day now how the Anakim, that's the giants, were there. The cities were great and fortified. And it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him 
and gave Hebron to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, God of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we come by the precious blood of Jesus, and I thank you, Lord, that you have given us the strength. You have given us your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we may be strengthened, God, when our hands are weary, God, when we go through things, God, when we see the unfaithfulness of others, God, don't let it become our excuse to wear out or burn out or to backslide. God, let our hearts be set on fire once again today and that, God, we would experience the same zeal and passion. God, may be expressed in different ways, but God, that our hearts would still burn and yearn for your will and your destiny and purpose for our lives this morning. We give you glory in Jesus' name. God's people would say, this is a message I've titled, Keeping the Fire. And in order for you to appreciate what I want to say to you, I want to, as mentioned, I want to tell you a little bit about the message that was preached last night by Pastor Rocky Colonna. To him, uh, I will uh, willingly and gladly give the credit for this revelation, but it really hit me hard, and, and it was this. The main thrust of his message was, you'll either burn now or, or you'll burn later. And that was pretty serious. Um, the scripture that he used was Jesus, as he said this in Luke 2, 12, verse 49, when Jesus said, I came to send fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. There's a famous illustration that he put to good use that I want to share with you. There was a family, uh, uh, a a farmer's family that uh, had a home out in their farmland. And as they looked to the horizon, they saw a wildfire that was raging and burning on the horizon. And as they see this raging fire coming toward their home and all that they uh, had that was precious in their lives, uh, the, the father runs out and begins to light a fire in his crops and in his fields around the home. And what he did was he, uh, even though he had labored to plant those seeds, he had labored to water them and feed them and keep good care of those crops, uh, it, was, it was absolutely necessary to take a hundred yard radius and just burn everything uh, within a hundred yards of their home. And as this uh, wildfire begins to get closer to them, he sees fear in his children's eyes. And he reminded them, you don't need to fear now. For that which is already burned up is no longer in danger of the raging forest fire. And when that inferno approached, it went all around them, but they were never in danger because they had already burned the crops around their home. This is the idea, that if we would allow God to fill us with the fire of the Holy Spirit, if God's consuming fire would be upon our hearts in this age and in this time that we're living, then we will not be exposed to the fires of judgment which are to come. Fire can be both a wonderful and a dangerous thing. Fire is wonderful until it isn't. Some of you, if you, when you go home today, you're going to light a little candle 
And that little candle is going to produce an aroma which will fill your house. And that's a great, wonderful thing. Creates an ambiance because of a little flame that flickers. Some of you may use a fire to start a stove and prepare a home-cooked meal, which is a great blessing to your family. Some of you may have a fireplace in your home where you can, when the weather is cold, or just to create some ambiance, you can light a fire in your fireplace and becomes the center of attention in your home, a place where you can read by the firelight. And you can also take fire and constrain it in a combustion engine or even in a, in a fire uh, electrical plant, and you can create energy that when you press the pedal in your vehicle, that fire is burning fuel, which causes your vehicle to go down the road. Or you can use that same fire to produce electrical energy, which can, which can uh, so that we can have air conditioning and lights in our church building. That's a great blessing, isn't it? And that's all because of this great gift that the Bible, that, uh, that in Jewish tradition says that God gifted to Adam in the garden. It is the gift of fire. But there is a time when fire is not wonderful. And that is when fire is no longer under control. That same scented candle that you got from Walmart, if it falls off the table and lands on your carpet, you are in bad shape. And you are in danger of destroying your entire home. That same flame which started the stove to cook your family's meal can also produce a horrifying grease fire that can literally melt the flesh off of your body. That same fireplace that you read your book in the cold winter months, if an ember leaps onto your book while you're reading it, uh, you are in great danger, aren't you? And you could burn yourself and you could have a great injury. And also, if there is some kind of uh, accident at a, at a fuel-fired plant and maybe an electrical plant or even a nuclear power plant, it, it, it becomes exposed to the elements and like that great tragedy in Fukushima just a few years ago or going back to Chernobyl back in the 80s can become so dangerous that people will not visit that place for a, a generation. See, fire can be a wonderful thing or it can be a very dangerous thing. Why are, why are we talking about fire? Four times in the Bible, God is described as a consuming fire. One of those is Hebrews 12, verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. When Jesus came to the earth, He said, I came to kindle a fire. I came and He said, oh, how I wish it would already be burning. That fire is what fueled the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit was poured out and the sign of that uh, incredible movement that was started on that day was what? Divided tongues as of fire that rested on each one of them as they, as they began to proclaim the good news of the Gospel to all that were there. That fire is symbolic of what God does in our hearts. Maybe you can remember what it was like when you were a new convert. I was 16 years old when God saved me. And I'm so grateful that God saved me when I was young. That nobody tried to constrain the fire. In fact, when I went to church, people were pouring gasoline on my fire. I looked around and I saw a group of young men 
that wanted to do something for God, and that, that put gasoline on my fire. That's, that's the reason why I'm standing here today. I never thought I'd be a preacher. Never had the desire to be a preacher. But there was a church and there was people in that congregation and I had a pastor and I had an assistant pastor that, you know what they did? They poured gasoline on my fire. They excited me. That I would go to services and I would walk away thinking, man, I want to do something for God. I want to serve Him. I want to help people. And God, if you would call me to go preach, Lord, I'll, I'm willing. Whatever. Whatever you want, God. If, if there's anything in this broken person that you can use, God, it's yours. And I can remember altars, and I can remember services where the fire of the Holy Spirit, that same Pentecostal fire from the book of Acts, was being poured out on my heart. Maybe you can remember your own experience. Whether you were a teenager like I was, or maybe you were a little bit older when you got saved. But it doesn't matter. And oftentimes those early years, those first years of our salvation are so exciting. When you pick up the Bible and you read things that it's like God is, is dialing in His message directly to your heart. You're like, oh, God, the Word of God has got me right there. Thank you, Lord. And we're inspired to change our lives. And we're inspired to do something with, with the time that God gave us. And that fire... That fire is intended to drive us to do something for His kingdom. The truth is this. It is either that we will be consumed by the fire of the Holy Spirit, or we will be consumed by the fire of judgment. Those who will not, who will resist the Holy Spirit, for those who who will quench the Spirit of God and take a fire extinguisher and go, nope, I've got better things to do. Those who will be untouched by the fire of the Holy Spirit will one day be consumed by it. This is the great revelation that Pastor Rocky gave to us last night. You know, there's a difference between the first arrival of Jesus and the second one. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he came to set the world on fire with excitement and zeal and passion for the kingdom of God. He is coming back again. But this time with a different kind of fire. A consuming fire. Eyes of fire. That judgment which will consume sin and unbelief and wickedness. Even if it exists in you. There's a big difference. The first coming of Jesus, He came... Meek and mild. He came as a servant leader. He came to pray for the sick and preach to the masses and feed the multitudes and set an example with his life of a life of perfection. He came to lay down his life as a servant and ultimately went to the cross. When he comes back, he comes with a different kind of fire. And either you will be consumed by the fi fire of passion and zeal or you'll be consumed by the fire of judgment. So are you on fire for the Lord this morning? Or have you grown cold, indifferent, passionless, and just passing the time? Are you on fire for Him today? Is there still any excitement left in you? You know, uh, I'm 41 years old now. I know I don't look that old. But 
I've been through a few things. And you know, the fire that I have today is different than the fire that I had as a teenager for the Lord. But it still burns. I might not have the same energy or strength that I did back then, but that doesn't mean I don't have the same desire. That doesn't mean that given the opportunity that I'd drop everything and I'd be a missionary again in a moment of time. Because I believe, I still believe that His Word is true. And that my life only has power when it's in His hand. Are you on fire for the Lord? And so here's one of the problems that I see in the kingdom. Is people who tell me, Pastor, I'm just so in love with Jesus. I, I just, uh, I can't get enough of church. I'm just so, uh, I'm so grateful for, for my salvation. But the problem is, their lives don't say the same thing. And so I want to take a moment to share with you what a a life of fire for the Lord would look like. So don't tell me how on fire you are, how excited you are for Jesus, if you've never showed up for a prayer meeting. Right? Oh, I'm just, I can't wait to go to heaven. Really? You know what we're going to be doing in heaven? We're, We're going to be praying. We're going to be talking to Jesus. We're going to be spending our time with Him. We get a little preview of that in the prayer room. When we open the service, uh, we open the doors before every service, one hour. And people, oh, I just, I can't get enough of Jesus. Really? Where were you during the prayer meeting? Don't tell me how on fire you are for Jesus if your job is more important than your church attendance. If your comfort is more important than your commitment. Don't tell me that you love, it's, it's going to get, it, it'll get better, don't worry. If you are conveniently absent from all the extra stuff that we do, I question your fire. If you are consistently late or unprepared to worship Jesus. If you get angry every time there's a bump in the road in your life. Maybe you're not as on fire as you thought. If you find yourself in arguments, in conflicts with other brothers and sisters in the church, unable to get along with other people who are supposed to be your your bros, don't tell me how on fire you are if you are harboring secret sin, playing with a snake, that you you say, oh no, it'll be fine. I can play with that until it bites you. And you know, I think the greatest problem with secret sin, and for many men it's pornography, not just men these days, but sexual sin in general, what it causes is such a, a deep sense of shame and regret that you don't even want to do something. That there are opportunities, but you have disqualified yourself in your own mind because you are aware very well that there is a secret hiding in the closet. So, no, I'm not going to volunteer. No, I'm not going to do anything extra. I'm just going to sit on my chair. Don't tell me. Don't tell me that you're on fire for God if the only time you read your Bible is when you sit in your church seat. If you are ashamed of the name of Christ. If you're willing to spend hundreds of dollars on your hobby or your sports team 
but can't find a place in your budget for a tithe or for world evangelism. I've got some more here. Don't worry. (laughs) Don't tell me how much you love the Lord and His will for your life and how on fire you are if you will volunteer a day for extra hours when the boss offers double time, but never have any time for outreach or cleanup or follow-up or winning the lost. If you can name every member of the Kardashian family, but you couldn't name five out of the Ten Commandments or six of the twelve disciples, are you really on fire for the Lord? If you have ever said to yourself, Nah, I don't need to go to church twice on Sunday. Once is enough. We have two services. I mean, it's two opportunities to hear from God. That's a good thing, I thought. And if I have to preach twice on Sunday, you should have to be here to hear it. (laughs) Don't tell me how on fire you are, how excited, how passionate you are for Jesus. If every time you are corrected... You begin to pout, chip on your shoulder. Woe is me, pastor, don't like me. You know, Jesus had to correct his disciples a few times. I try not to call you Satan like Jesus called Peter. Get behind me, Satan. See, fire of the Lord produces zeal and passion. The fire that will protect us in the day of judgment is this fire of zeal and and passion. You remember Jesus two times in the gospel accounts that he cleansed the temple. One early in his ministry and the second time later on as he prepares to go to the cross. And in both instances the Bible said that he braided a whip of cords and he drove them out of the temple. We don't often have that image of Jesus in our minds when we talk about him, right? Nobody has that image on their t-shirts about Jesus. Nobody has that on the bumper sticker of their car. Jesus driving out the merchants from the temple. But when his disciples saw that, you remember what they said? They remembered the scripture, zeal for your house has eaten me up. He loved the temple. He said, this this is not where you should be uh, setting up your, your, your marketing scams. My house should be a house of prayer. He was passionate. He was zealous. Say, you know, I need to defend my father's house, even if it takes a whip. That's the fire that he unleashed into his disciples. It's the same fire that took them into cities and nations beyond their comfort zones. That all 12 of the 12 disciples, we know Judas, yeah, his story, but he was replaced. And all 12 of the remaining, they all went and they died on behalf of their Savior. Thomas. Died in India as a martyr. Peter, crucified upside down. And we get a little hangnail or we get a little cough on Sunday morning. I I can't, Pastor. But I'm on fire! Sometimes we think that the flickering glow of our religion is the replacement for this fire. And it's not. Religious activity and church attendance and Bible knowledge, all of these are wonderful things, but they are no replacement for the passion and the zeal. And the message I want to share with you is that if you're not on fire today, I'm trying to take it easy on you. 
But if you're not on fire today, maybe you're going to be in a different kind of fire in the future. So that's where, as I was listening to this message last night, and God was challenging me personally, I thought about Caleb. Because what Caleb shows us, this story from the Old Testament, who the Bible says that he came out with the, with the multitudes from Egypt. He came out with them. And the scripture that we read at the beginning was his account when he was 85 years old. From the time that they came out from Egypt, he was 40. And now, in this chapter, he is 45 years have passed, and now he's 85 years old. But what I love about Caleb is that he still had the fire. He still had the excitement. He didn't let the things around him extinguish his passion and his zeal for the things of God. And so I want to show you from the life of Caleb quickly this morning as we close. He shows us how to keep the fire. Looking at the life of Jesus, of course, we can learn many, many things. One thing we can't learn is how to age well. Jesus lived 33 years, and then he ascended to heaven. He didn't show us how to get old for Jesus. The the apostles showed us, and we have great examples, like we were talking this morning about Abraham, who was not even called until he was 75 years old. But we do have some incredible examples in the Word of God, and Caleb is one of them. We know that Caleb had the fire of passion and zeal and commitment to the kingdom even early in his life, in Numbers chapter 13, he was, he was one of 12 that was chosen to go in and spy out the land. Now just that by itself says something about him. That of all the tribe, uh, he was from the tribe of Judah. And he was chosen from this tribe as their representative. We're going to send 12 spies to go take a look at this land that God has called us to. And they're going to give us a report. And so he goes with the other 11. And when they come back, you know the story, they come back and 10 of them give an evil report. They say, oh, yeah, there's lots of good stuff. It, it truly is a land, milk and honey. But you know what? There's giants. And there's walled cities. Oh, and we can't go in there because, oh, too hard. But there was two who came back singing a different song. And that was Joshua and Caleb. And in Numbers 13, 27, this was their report. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. But the people that are living there, they're powerful. Uh, Verse 30 says, Caleb quieted the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Now let me ask you this question. Did Caleb see something different than the rest of those ten? who gave the bad report, they all saw the same things, didn't they? They all saw the bad things. They saw the giants. They saw the walled cities. They saw the battles that were ahead. They also saw all of the bounty that was there. They saw the the fruit. The Bible said that uh, 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 some grapes, uh, uh, a group of grapes that they brought back, they had to carry it on a stick between two men. Like, whoa, that's a fruitful place. They saw the good and the bad. And Caleb, he, he, as they begin to talk about why they can't do it, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. And Caleb says, shut up! We can do this. Why? Because God's with us. He tries to speak faith. These only two from a group of 
uh, thousands of millions of people there. He's trying to speak a good report. But the Bible says that they began to speak against him. Numbers 14, it says in verse 10, the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Stoning them. Why? Because they were trying to speak faith. Because they had fire and passion and zeal. And here's our first lesson from Caleb. If you're going to keep the fire in the long run, you're going to have to learn to endure the negativity of others. You're going to have to learn to endure the faithless words even of brothers and sisters around you. You're going to have to survive when people start throwing stones your way. And especially when you speak faith and you have hope and you believe God. And I'm not saying that, you know, that, that you're, uh, you're pie in the sky, that you are uh, uh, unrealistic about life. Listen, Caleb knew the challenges, but he spoke faith. He said, we can do this. And no doubt about this, when you speak faith and when you stand for righteousness, others will want to throw stones. There will be those faithless people and some of them who've been in church for years and they think that they're doing well by saying, oh no, pastor, we can't do that. No, 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 don't, don't send uh, this new convert. Don't, don't, uh, and, and it's the Holy Spirit fire extinguisher. Put out, put out those fires. If we're going to keep the fire for the long run, church, we're going to have to be willing to endure some stone throwers, some betrayals. Some naysayers. Number two, keeping the fire means serving alongside people who lost their fire. This is a great challenge. Because think about Joshua and Caleb. God got so angry at this generation that he said, you're not going into the promised land. You're not going in. Too much. Too much unbelief. Too much disobedience. Too much wickedness. He saw them playing with idols and committing gross sin. And God said, nope, they're not going in. Except Joshua and Caleb. Numbers 32, verse 10. The Lord was very angry with them. And he vowed of all those I rescued from Egypt, no one who is 20 years old or older will ever see the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For they have not obeyed me wholeheartedly. Except... Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun, for they have wholeheartedly followed the Lord. So think about this. They estimate between one and a half to two million Jews came out of Egypt. That's a lot of folks. And you think about what is the percentage that were 20 years old or above? Probably a pretty good percentage. What do you say? I don't know. At least half. 75% maybe. That's still about a million people. And God looked at that group of people and He said, you know, I called you to go in, but because of unbelief, because of disobedience, because you lost the fire, because you lost your zeal and your passion and your excitement, because you were more excited about worshiping the idols of the land, because you longed for the the onions and the garlic of the place I rescued you from, I can't take you in. A million people. Except... Joshua, Caleb. How do you explain that? Here's two men and their families that even though everyone around them was backslidden, they still wanted to serve God. What does that do for you? 
It removes every excuse, doesn't it? Even if the whole church is, is living for the world and carnal, that doesn't give you an excuse to be carnal. That doesn't give you the excuse to tap the brakes for Jesus. That doesn't give you an excuse to, 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 to find comfort in the world or in possessions. No! You can still live for God and you can still be excited. I, I often I, I grow weary of trying to rally people for the cause. I grow weary of trying to let my passion be inherited by somebody else. you got to have your own, man. Because I'm going to heaven. I'm serving Jesus. My passion cannot be your passion. I hope that you have zeal and passion for the kingdom. But you know what? Mine can't be yours. And yours can't be mine. Have you let a lack of fire in other people become your excuse for why you can tap the brakes? Let's close. Let's keep the fire for the long term. Caleb said these words again from our scripture. Verse 10. Behold, the Lord has kept me alive. He's 85 years old now. As he said, for 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the desert, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Is he speaking about physical strength? I don't think so. There's a big difference between a 40-year-old body and an 85-year-old body. When he says, I am as strong today as I was back then, it's not necessarily physical strength. He's speaking about strength of will, his strength of character, his strength of commitment to the Lord. He said, just as I was on that day when Moses commanded me to go and spy out the land, so today I'm willing. I'm willing. You know, I thank God for our fellowship. You know why? Because we don't have an age of retirement in our fellowship. We don't have, thank God for Pastor Mitchell, who was still going around the world and preaching even up until six months before he died, 93 years old. They had to tell him, Pastor, you can't go anymore. We want you to go and preach, but it's not safe anymore. It was a sad day when that happened. But we saw it, didn't we? He was 90, 91, 92 years old, no retirement. Let me ask you, will you still be taking mountains and giants when you're 85? Will you still be excited to get to church? I can't wait to get to church. What, what's the Lord going to say to me today? You know how to keep a fire roaring? You need one of these. This is what you call a fire poker. And when you have a fire... You know, what happens with time, the natural course of having a, a campfire or a fire in your, in your fireplace is that it'll consume some materials. It'll take a little time and the flame will die down. And if you have a fireplace, you probably have one of these. And what do you do with this thing? You take this thing and you, bam, you stick one of those logs and you begin shaking it up and rolling it around. And what happens when you begin to stir up that flame, stir up that fire, what happens? Those flames begin to regenerate. It, you, you feel the heat. The light begins to be restored. You can take another log and put it on top. And pretty soon, it's back up and roaring. 
pray that God would take a fire poker to your soul this morning. He would stick it in your heart. Shake it around, man. Wake up. Regain the fire. Regain the passion. Because guess what? It's not just young people who serve God. Thank God that He saved young people. We need that fire and that energy and that passion. But you know what? We need a few geezers for Jesus, too. (laughs) We need a few middle-aged men and women who still have fire and passion. We need a few people who are going to set an example for those who are going to be saved in a year or in a decade. We need some men, some women, who don't... The fire doesn't go out. Will you be a Caleb or will you be like the multitude that never experiences what God has for you because you lost the fire? Let's bow our heads for just a moment and close our eyes. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.